My name is Rob Sparks, and this is Southern Fried Weekly, your weekly episode of the Southern Fried Theology Podcast. As a part of Southern Fried Theology's larger mission of being a resource for authentically following Jesus in a Southern context, these weekly episodes map onto the ancient discipline of the Christian calendar, and they're best taken in partnership with that practice. At its most basic, the Christian calendar is a way of reshaping the way we think about time, to move away from the holy days of broad cultural forces like consumerism and move toward a way of marking time that is centered on the life of Jesus. Coincidentally, this is also a great way to get to know Jesus better. Currently, we're in the season between Epiphany and the beginning of Lent. We'll get to Lent in a few weeks, but we want to talk about Epiphany for just a minute as a way of making sense of where we're going. Epiphany has traditionally been a feast day that comes at the end of the 12 days of Christmas, and marks the arrival of the Magi to present gifts to the young Jesus after his birth. Here, it marks a sort of transition from the emphasis on Jesus' early life to his ministry as an adult, and it also sets the stage for the sort of person Jesus will be. For instance, we just mentioned that Epiphany rehearses the story found in the second chapter of Matthew's Gospel, where a group of Magi come from somewhere in the East to worship Jesus. In their culture, these magi were wise men, trained in diverse fields like history and magic and astrology. In fact, they discovered that Jesus, uh, the long-expected king, had arrived by reading the stars. And so in Matthew's account of Jesus' birth, the very first people to worship Jesus were not the good church folk of his day, the ones who showed up to worship every time the doors were open, always dressed the right way and answered blessed every time you asked how they were doing. These were the people who would actually try to kill him. Now, in Matthew's story, the first people to worship Jesus were actually pagan wizards. Take that, Harry Potter haters. So, this season after Epiphany will frequently focus on the obstinate and radical nature of Jesus' life and teaching and work. He's not just for the good church people, for the ones who are always shiny and clean and put together, for those who are certain and eager to impose that certainty on others, come what may. In his lifetime, they were usually the ones who stood against him not only rejecting what he had to offer for their lives, but also pushing others away from him as well. And, if my experiences with church since then have taught me anything, it's still really easy to do that today. To be clear, Jesus is for the good church people. They may not realize it, but they desperately need someone to be for them. And Jesus stands tenaciously willing and ready to mend the very brokenness they deny they have. And he's ready to do this in spite of their stubbornness. By the way, let's take a moment to thank God that he is bigger than our stubbornness. But he isn't just for the good church people. Epiphany reminds us he's for all of us, including the pagan wizards. 
From the very beginning of his story, the stage is set for a life and a movement that is meant to destroy all of the walls we erect, and it will surprise us in ceaseless ways as Jesus insistently loves all people. Yes, the good church people, though they often won't accept it, but also all the people who don't look like the people from my church, or vote like them, or come from where they come from, or believe the things they believe, or make the same amount of money as they do, or carry the same assumptions about the world and how it works. Jesus has time for all of these people. For me, the recovering legalist church junkie minister, and for you, whoever you may be, wherever you may come from. There is, by the way, a challenge here, a temptation to take this deeply beautiful thing Jesus is trying to teach us and wash it out into a sort of slogan or cliche. I've already said several times, Jesus has time for all people. But in truth, I really think such language is pretty worthless. It lacks the sort of specificity necessary for real Jesus-like love. I mean, my church can say, all people are welcome, or we can hashtag all lives matter until unsweet tea and Pepsi become the official state beverages in Georgia. But those bold claims mean nothing until we can say, my black neighbor is welcome, or my gay neighbor matters, or my Muslim neighbor, or my undocumented neighbor, or my poor neighbor checking out with their SNAP benefits card, or my young neighbor that is pierced and inked and died. That's the sort of agenda the story of Jesus is calling us to. And it doesn't mean a lot until we start pairing that conviction that is so easy to articulate. Jesus loves us all with our actual neighbors. One of the things I'll talk about a lot as this podcast goes forward is that Christianity is best experienced as a lived thing. Following Jesus is something you actually do. So if you think there's something to Jesus, here's a place to start. Find someone who isn't like you and find some way to be kind or courteous to them. Extend them a little hospitality. Take a few moments to listen to them and see if you can't discover some common ground. Because if hanging out with Jesus will do anything, it'll tear down those walls we love to build. We're going to stop here for now. Next time, we'll start with a quick overview of Jesus' most fundamental teaching, found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, if you want to read it. We call it his Sermon on the Mount. Until then, remember our goal is to spark some conversation. You can join in on Facebook at Southern Fried Theology Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at SFTPod. You can email me at southernfriedtheologypodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Southern Fried Theology on Apple Podcasts or the platform of your choice. And be sure to invite your friends to join in. Thanks for listening.